Deuteronomy 6, starting with the fourth verse. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 12. And remember, anytime we hear Israel in Scripture, that is us, the church. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Let Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you didn't build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. And just as a reminder then, go to Matthew 22, Matthew 22, starting with the 34th verse. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, for, I would say, the past year now, God has been calling me deeper. God has been calling me into 100% full surrender. God has been calling me to empty of myself and to be filled with more and more of God's spirit. To be about the things of God's kingdom, not this earthly kingdom. And it's not an easy path. It's a difficult journey. But oh, how God has been faithful. There has been a shift over the past few months, I believe, in the life of this church. Because we are being the church outside of these walls. And that's who we are called to be. So I'm just going to share a bit of what I experienced the last few days in Kenya. Because I didn't go to do anything for them. I was blessed And I learned what it meant to be the body of Christ. And I learned what it meant to live in community. Because you see, all of the teenage orphans that I was in contact with remembered. They said, we have suffered and we remember. And because we remember, we want to do for others. The way they live their lives is completely different. I think we have a lot to learn. 
This is what I saw from them. I saw such faith and hope. I saw an, an unabashed trust in God, our sovereign heavenly Father. The way they interacted with one another was vulnerable. It was honest. It was transparent. You see, they had suffered and they had experienced God, God's redemption. They didn't have to put up any airs. They were real with each other. And when they came in carrying baggage, when they came in to a group meeting and were hurting, the first thing they did was tell one another about it. They didn't try to act like I, we often do, that they had it all together. Vulnerability, transparency, honesty, hospitality. They invited me, they invited us into their story. And when we participated in their story, we were the body of Jesus Christ. Over and over and over again, the thought came to my mind, this is the church. One day we were meeting in a cornfield. They had welcomed us by singing and dancing. They sat in the, the beating sunshine and put us under the shade of a mango tree. And then they began to share their stories. They began to share about their suffering. They began to share of where they were and where they are now. Thanks be to Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. They poured out their hearts to us. They gave us the gift of hospitality. Over and over they said, we don't have much, but everything we have we offer you. What would it be like? What would it be like if you and I did that at work tomorrow, at school tomorrow? What would it be like in the store when we know that somebody is hurting and instead of going down another aisle, we went to that person? What would it be like? It would be the church. It would be the body of Jesus Christ. Alex, I think he was 16 or 17, skinny guy, had been elected chairperson of this particular group, said to our visiting team, we really don't have much, but we give you all that we have. And pretty soon here came some girls. They asked us to hold out our hands, and they began to wash our hands. And then here came some more of the group, White bread for you, white bread for you, white bread for you. And here came more of the group, here's some tea, have some tea. Do you know, do you feel it? Do you know what we experienced? That was the Holy Sacrament. We communed through the Holy Spirit by the way they gave of themselves. And I'm not just talking physical stuff. I'm not talking material stuff. It was so much deeper than that. Yes, the loaf of bread that they gave each one of us cost 25 ch shillings, which for many of them was a day's wages. Yes, they gave all they had materially, but it was so much more than that. They gave their all because they had suffered, they had been redeemed, and they remembered. This speaks to me, to us, in such a powerful way. 
Our nation needs us to be the body of Christ. Our church, the the church universal, needs us to be the body of Christ. What would it look like if we truly were empowering and lifting one another up? If we truly lived a life where we saw the other person, truly took the time to see and to know the other person, to, to live life thinking that we are we, not me. It's not about us. Yet don't we live a life that says, hey, it's all about me, what I think, what I want, what I desire. These friends were generous in the midst of scarcity. They were genuine, and they truly saw God in one another. That was my prayer this morning, that we could come into this place and truly see one another. We come in here very different. We come in here with very different political views. We come in here with very different ways of interpreting the Bible. We come in here with very different ways of moral integrity and and, and priorities. But we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Can you see one another the way God sees one another? We're being called to a higher standard. We are being called to discipleship. We are being called to live lives in different ways. Listen to what one girl said. We joined hands together, and our group saw a girl in need, and we supported her. Why did they do that? Because they had been empowered They felt the love of Jesus. One girl said, the group found me worthy. Who do you meet on any given day and you, "Mm, hmm, I'll I'll go the other way. I don't need to talk to him or her. I don't want to see her. I don't want to have anything to do with her. We're called to live differently. One of our team members, it was a holy and sacred time. There weren't many of us white folks, Mzungus were called. There weren't many of us white folks around. But he was a white guy, and he bent down because this little child had never seen a Mzungu before. And, and he had kind of hairy arms. And he looked deep into this child's eye, and he said, you know, when I looked, when I got down on his level, and I looked into his eyes, I saw him. And you know what he did? He reached out his arm, and he said, you want to touch me? You want to you feel what it, what it looks like? You know, feel, feel what I... And here was this, this little African child touching this white mzungu. That was the body of Christ. How many times are you and I called in a given, div- given day to say, here, you want to touch me? And we turn the other way. How many times are we called to stop just to listen? And listen because we want to listen, not listen to, so we can reply. I tell you what, this is all about who we're called to be. It speaks to us today. Scripture says, be careful not to forget the Lord your God. 
Be careful. Remember. It means putting God first. It means that we need to be all about listening. It means to be, we need to, uh, all about loving, all about leading as a servant, following the example of Jesus Christ. One of the most successful teenagers, her name was Carol, but they called her the boss, said this is what she does. Every morning, several things. First thing, she scans her environment. She scans her environment. Secondly, she looks for opportunities. Thirdly, she asks herself, what resources do I have? And it's not necessarily materialistic resources. What resources do I have? And finally, what needs do I see in the village? That's how she orders each and every day. What would happen if we would order our days in that way? Scan our environment. Look for opportunities. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring to our attention the resources that he has gifted us with. Look for needs in our village. And I just want to add, our village may be within our own home. And then she said, then I just plan. Then I serve. That's what it means to be the body of Christ. Now, Pastor Rob said, we are all broken people. Boy, that is for sure. We are wounded and we are broken. And, and Christian author Anne Voskamp has a new book out all about using our brokenness to serve God. Listen to something she says. This is for us today. You are where you are for such a time as this. Not to make an impression, but to make a difference. Let me say that again. You are where you are today, not to make an impression, but to make a difference. We aren't here to one-up another. We're here to help one another up. I just have to pause. Where is the Holy Spirit churning stuff within your heart? Because if you truly release that earlier in the service, then God is already working within you. Bringing to your mind and your heart ways in which God is calling you to change your life. To do things differently. In her book, she says, meaning comes from emptying ourselves. You know the story in Philippians 2 where, where Jesus didn't consider his, his equality with God something to, to be grasped, but he emptied himself out. He poured himself out for us. She's telling us that we need to do the same. When you are filled to the brim with the enoughness of Christ, or I would insert there the robe of righteousness, our identity of who we are in Jesus Christ. When you are filled, when you claim fully your authority and your identity in Jesus Christ, the only way you can possibly have more is to pour yourself out. 
Did you get that? When we claim our full identity in Jesus Christ, when we say we are enough just the way we are, when we say that we have righteousness because of the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the only way that we can continue to be filled up is if we pour ourselves out. How is God calling you to be poured out? We're more like Christ when we are emptying ourselves because it is not about us. Lastly, she says, live for something, I would say someone worth dying for. That's Jesus. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let love break into you. Let love mess with you and loosen you up. Let love make you laugh and cry and give and hurt because this is the only way to live. That's how we're called. That's scripture. We can't leave this place and be the same people that we came in as we came in. We've got to live our lives differently. We've got to listen differently. We've got to love differently. We've got to lead differently. You know me, I always believe that a message has to have a challenge and a response. So I've got some suggestions for you. First one is this. Pray that the Holy Spirit would make it clear to you what needs to change in your life. And it doesn't mean that you will need to necessarily do more. It may be that you are to live more humbly, that you are to surrender more of those parts of your heart that you've been keeping for yourself. Perhaps you are to live seeing the others around you. I'm just going to name that perhaps we're being called to pray more fervently for our president and our governmental leaders. Perhaps we're called to pray more for our church leaders. Perhaps we're called to pray more for how God is leading us when we're outside of this building. I believe we're being called to pray for our church that we can truly be the community that God is calling us to be. And that has nothing to do with this building. It has nothing to do with the structure of this, these walls. It has everything to do with how we choose to live our life on any given day. I'll ask the band to come up, and I will, I will lead us in prayer. God, you are sovereign. You are holy. You have blessed us beyond measure. And first of all, we simply want to just ask for your forgiveness. For doing our own thing. For, for remaining in control and hanging on so tightly to the way we desire our lives to look. And in this moment, oh God, we, we surrender to you. We submit to your divine authority over our lives and the life of this church and this community. We pray, God, that you would soften our hearts, 
that you would slow us down, that you would help us to listen to your still small voice, that you would give us the, the courage to listen and to love and to lead, to be your servants. Help us to see others the way you see them. Help us to hear what isn't being said. Give us the discernment. And oh God, don't let us lag behind, but let us be the people you are calling us to be. Your church, the body of Christ. We pray in his name and for his sake. Let his kingdom be seen on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.